Yeah, I know you just established she's the mean one. Is that how you categorize the exes? They've all they've all have a special place right here. Each one. Nick was being a real Judas. It's being a real Judas on you, Mike. Judas. Judas. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Judas. Much like the actual Judas, if that's the role that the grand plan has for me to play in this episode, then so be it. I will be the Judas. This episode of what? Of the Songtopsy Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I am your traitor, Nick Brigadier. I am God's little broski, Mike Russell. And I'm the cabana boy for the Lord, Steve Trollinger. Yeah, Mike, why do you get to sound like God's like adorable, quirky sidekick? <laughs> and I'm it's Judas. The, it's, it's, it's the role I was born for, Nick. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. Oh, yes, Steve. No, I just wanted to make explicitly clear for the audience when I said that I'm drinking I'm drinking a, a strawberry daiquiri as one does on Easter Sunday. Yes. That's why I said I was God's cabana boy. Don't think anything weird about it, guys. Come on. Get your mind's <laughs> oh, yeah, out of the gutter. I should have called that out for you. Is that what you got, though? A strawberry, wait, strawberry daiquiris are the typical Easter beverage. Is that right? No, uh, yes, naturally. Isn't that the whole Eucharist thing? Isn't a strawberry daiquiri and then bread you have every Sunday? Look, I've studied, I've studied the scriptures, guys, backwards and forwards. And let me tell you, the Last Supper, they had strawberry daiquiris, all right? I'm just telling you. Believe me. Well, there's going to be a lot of belief involved in this week's episode, because in case you haven't noticed, uh, at the time this episode comes out, it's going to be a little bit after Easter, but we are actually recording this Easter special episode on Easter Sunday. So there's an extra level of pressure, I guess, because God is listening especially closely to this week's episode. Also, technically, Nick, you godless heathen, Easter Uh doesn't end until Pentecost. So watch it. Still Easter when it comes out on Tuesday. You are speaking different languages. Uh, but Steve was the one who brought uh, the the passion to this week's episode. And uh, we teased this a little bit on our Evanescence episode that we did fairly recently. But, exactly uh, one month ago, actually. I looked it up today. I keep my promises. Promises kept. Steve 2020. Just like the promise that all Christians were given in our covenant with the Lord. Right, Mike? You're damn right. You're goddamn right, Steve. <laughs> That's right. Steve, we only want to convert listeners to subscribers, not everyone to Christianity on this week's episode. Click like and subscribe on the Lord, and you'll never be sorry. Your life will be eternal. Just like this show. Or at least that's the way it seems to me sometimes. But as Nick was saying, yes, I, um, I teased, threatened, I don't know, the verb's kind of murky, this when we did our Evanescence episode, um, in my research for that episode, I discovered, to my horror, that uh, there existed a live uh, musical of the essentially the passion of Jesus Christ uh, for for you know the Easter season, and it's not the first musical about that subject. Nick and I are very well versed in Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, well, yeah, Steve, Steve, for our heathen listeners, could you explain what the Passion play is? Uh, yes, actually, I have this down here under the section of my notes called Quick Rundown on the Passion of the Christ for Non-Christian Listeners and Lapsed Christians. Wonderful! <laughs> Lovely! So thank you for directing me to that section of my notes, Nick. I wasn't going to get to them in my own time. It's fine. You're welcome, Steve. So, 
the passion for those groups I just mentioned uh, comes from the Latin uh, patium passus sum, or to suffer, bear, endure. Uh, it's the most popular and visited subject in popular culture vis-a-vis Jesus outside of the events surrounding his birth, and has been subject to many interpretations and adaptations, as well as a few musicals, Jesus Christ Superstar being one of them. Uh, the events typically don't deviate in order, and they take place during the week, the Jewish week of Passover, the Jewish holiday Passover, which celebrates the, um, the exodus of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. And as Jesus was Jewish, sorry guys, uh, he was celebrating that holiday, which Christians, as they are wont to do, co-opted for their own use. Uh, this is also, by the way, a pagan holiday. Easter is, a, is the word for a pagan holiday. That was around the time that the early Catholic Church decided to traditionally make East, uh, uh, celebrate the resurrection, so that's why it's called Easter now. Is that where the bunny rabbit comes from? Is that the damn pagans? Actually, no. You'd think that'd be where the goddamn bunny rabbit comes from, <laughs> but it's not. I don't know where the bunny rabbit comes from. It's not the, the egg-laying bunny rabbit. The egg, the egg-laying bunny rabbit has no historical, pagan or otherwise, uh, historiography. That just reeks of like a savvy marketer, like three hundred years ago, just working it's some like, other angle into it. It was the first chocolate salesman. He was like, "I gotta get rid of all these eggs, <laughs> these chocolate." I believe eggs. it was the Lord Cadbury in eighteen eighty-five. Feels right. Um, so, uh, the week of Passover, it begins with Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, which is usually known as Palm Sunday, which took place last Sunday, uh, and it takes place a week uh, before that's his... Where they, that's where they get the palms going, and they sprinkle the holy water on the crowd as they're, they're flailing the, uh, the palms. And then you get to tie yes. the palm into a little cross if you want to. Yes, that's exactly right. Mike and I actually have one over the, over the threshold of my, of my doorway in my apartment. Oh, very um, Nice. It traditionally celebrated as Palm Sunday. Following this are uh, a series of events usually referred to as the expulsion of the moneylenders from the Second Temple, the Last Supper, the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal and arrest, the trial before the Sanhedrin, who then sent him to be tried under Roman law by Pontius Pilate, who in the Gospel of Luke, at least, sends him back to be tried by Herod, who then sends him back to be tried by Pilate again followed by his crucifixion, which includes the Stations of the Cross, his death, and ultimate resurrection three days later. The reason, I mean, Mike said earlier, before he started recording, gosh, I forgot to watch The Passion of the Christ today, which, you know, if that's your weird thing to do, go right ahead. Um, <laughs> it's... I'm not a fa- I'm not usually a fan of the Saw movies myself, but if that's just going to say it. Um, but it, uh, it's, there's a reason why there, you know, most, fu- most films that focus on Jesus either focus on, uh, his birth or his death, because those are typically the big, like, well-trod, sort of historically agreed upon events. Like, most of the Gospels pretty much agree on the same sequence of events with a few minor variations. Well, yeah, because the Bible's uh, missing a whole, like, 20-year chunk of his life. To be honest, I would love to see a movie just about, like, Jesus's awkward teen years. I would be so down for that. I mean, he he's a teenager with the power of God. We should all be quaking in fear at the very notion of that. The fact that he made it to 30 without, like, without, like the world ending is beyond me. Yeah, right? You would think that his first breakup, you would have thought that would have been it. Game over. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. Jesus never dated anybody. He's a pure okay. soul. He, never... he, da- he dated a woman with the same name as his mother. 
I mean, okay. <laughs> He's a good Jewish boy. Like, you dated someone with the same last name. Who Let he who is without sin <laughs> cast the first stone. I'm not saying it was a bad thing. I'm just saying, oh, they were dating. Like... But anywho, I won't get into the specifics of the of the event up front because, as we all know, I could just pontificate wildly about the events themselves without ever getting into any sort of music. So we'll go through them a step at a time while we're talking about The Passion, which, as I mentioned for a quick refresh uh, from a month ago, uh, is an American adaptation of a Dutch musical television special in which the events surrounding The Passion and Crucifixion of Jesus are acted out live in the streets of a chosen city. Uh, I believe I put it before as a Jesus jukebox musical, and then Nick came out with a much better expression that made me mad that I didn't think of it. What was that, King of the Jukebox? I believe that was it, yes. I was <laughs> I was really wanting to see if you actually did remember what it was or could think of it again. So in 2016, Fox, again, huge shock, <laughs> decided to put on an adaptation, an American adaptation of this. It had been Dutch, uh, then it was British, the UK did one on the BBC, and then uh, the original producer um, is, yes, based on a Dutch TV special that's run annually since 2011. The creator, uh, Jaco Dornbos, created it after learning only a quarter of the population of the Netherlands were actually aware of the story of Easter. And then the executive producer of the American adaptation, Swedish music producer and Glee contributor, Adam Anders, which should give you an idea of what we're about to experience, oh uh, believed that by adapting it in a country like the U.S. with a much larger sort of religious foundation, it could be an even bigger hit. So they went about casting the important roles, uh, which we'll get to the cast as we go along here. And uh, members of the cast, I should say, and the musicians who lent their music were initially wary of participating in something so overtly religious, although the host of the show was Tyler Perry, who is a practicing Christian. He was enthusiastic uh, because of that, but he was also enthusiastic because he got to work on a project he didn't have to create and manage himself the entire thing, which, you know, is kind of like a vacation for for those of us who, who create and manage our own things. Um, but Steve, but they I used, just... Uh, just Real quick, get get the disappointment out up front. Tyler Perry does not play Medea at any point during the Passion. No, he does not play Medea at any point during the Passion. She's not up with Jesus. Okay, whatever. <laughs> he runs over when Jesus falls the second time. <laughs> Medea's the one, you know, wiping off his brow and helping him up. Get that I'd blood like out of your that. eyes, child. <laughs> okay, thank you, Nick. I was going to say I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'll let you two. Ah! I'll let you two. <laughs> Do Medea impressions. So they uh, it's, it's a jukebox musical, musical because they didn't they didn't write original songs. Instead, uh, the idea was to use pre-existing popular music, repurpose them to fit the context of the events of the Passion, and then record a mix of live performances and recorded performances, play them throughout the night. Uh, leading up to uh, a procession of uh, regular citizens carrying an illuminated cross through the streets of New Orleans, from the Superdome to where it eventually ended in Waldenburg Park. By the way, this was also used as a follow-up to Fox's live production of Grease, uh, both to counteract NBC's string of sort of live televised musicals uh, and to follow up their own televised musical in Grease. So that's kind of a weird thing to follow it up with. They're almost never good. The televised musicals, people hate watch them to just see how close they come to being not bad, but they almost never seem to turn out any good. And you know what? It, the reason is, is because you're not getting 
there is just something about seeing a musical performance live yeah. and hearing the person's voice coming truly through. You know, you, they're lip syncing, and they might not be, but they might be. You know, people, don't, I don't know, you're watching on TV, you don't know. You're not getting that same feel. You're not getting the same passion. Keep a running count, everyone, of how many times <laughs> Nick does that joke. No, look, I'm the if I'm the Judas here, I'm going to go all in. I will be your villain. Uh, and with the mention of Judas, uh, we'll get into talking about the show proper. I brought this up during our Bring Me to Life episode because just the thought of setting what would be like a sacrosanct, excuse me, religious holiday to popular music seems rife with all sorts of interpretational folly and just downright tone deafness. Um, and I was right, because then I went back and watched <laughs> it. And uh, for the most part, that's absolutely true. Uh, so I figured it'd be fun. A lot of these are these these are all covers, so it's not like we would necessarily cover these songs, because a lot of them are good songs that I like, and we might not necessarily cover them by themselves, but the interpretation of these covers in this sort of religious scenario, I think, makes the uh, context of them much more interesting to talk about than they might originally have been. So uh, we're going to skip around a bit, but we're going to basically go in order. I'm skipping through the first part of the week. We're going to begin where most people start their Holy Week with, which is uh, Holy Thursday, in which, to, which is traditionally used to celebrate the Last Supper. Uh, the Last Supper, quick rundown. Obviously, Jesus gathers his apostles. They all sit on one side of a table for some reason, just because they can't get a good camera angle in with everyone around the table. <laughs> everyone, all of his apostles, Mary Magdalene sits to his right, of course. Screw you, Catholic Church. I just rewatched The Da Vinci Code to bone up on this episode, so there's that. And they, uh, they break bread. Jesus gives them uh, a method by which they can remember his upcoming sacrifice. He breaks bread with them and shares wine, says, this bread is my body, this, is this my wine body, is my blood. which has been given up for you. This yes, is and then an altar boy you... underneath an altar boy underneath the table jangles some bells for about five minutes too long. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, God. Sorry, Nick. We're gonna do. A, we're gonna throw a lot of Catholic jokes in here. See, I didn't even. I I didn't even know if you're making a joke or that's a real thing. Because as soon as no. you said that, I'm like, oh, I can think of a lot of reasons why Catholics would have an altar boy under the table. Nick. <laughs> oh no. Uh. So. <laughs> well, uh, let's get into the let's get with that. Let's get into this on first Easter number celebrating Sunday. the Last Supper on Easter Sunday. Yeah, I also got a little nervous when I was researching this, thinking we were going to actually do this on Easter Sunday. It's it's I, I I'm full of all sorts of regret already, and it's just going to get worse. <laughs> now, as their meal continues, Jesus has an important message for his followers. This bread is my body. I will die for you. Repeat this last supper and remember me. Well, I just heard the news today. It seems my life is gonna change. I close my eyes, begin to pray, and tears of joy stream down, down my, my face, face with all my 
Steve, that was Steve. You know, for all the talk of me blaspheming, that was the most evil continuous buildup you could have possibly done. I've got so many issues right off the bat with this. First of all, sorry, Steve, I'm sure you have so much more context to give, but first of all, you're setting the passion in New Orleans and you're still making Jesus a white guy. I mean, come on. He's still just like a generic pretty white boy. I'm sure he's actually a famous pop star who I don't recognize currently. Second off, a fucking Creed song. Creed. That's what we're doing. I'm so are you, angry. Are you okay? Are you done? Are you done, Nick? You done? I'm done sorry, Steve. It's just this is making me passionate. Okay, so that's two, everyone. That's two. Yeah, um, I get as many as I want, so, Steve. Don't bother keeping count. So, <laughs> first of all, uh, Jesus, I should mention, is played by a Cuban-American singer-songwriter from Miami, Florida. Uh, his name is Jen Carlos Canela. Um, but see, so while he isn't see, white, Nick, he's Cuban. While he isn't white, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Now I'm gonna give Nick. The, I'm gonna give Nick a point here. Now it, though he is not in fact white, like Nick screamed at the top of his lungs. Um, the fact that yes, it is in New Orleans, and no, he is not played by a black man, especially later on in the show when we start to see this is set still in a modern setting. So like when the guards come to take him away, they're New Orleans police department SWAT team guys. So like Jesus there gets were swatted several... in this version. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> there... Judas called the SWAT team on him. Jesus was playing COD and then the SWAT team kicks his door in uh, for. <laughs> He's the <laughs> son of COD. Sorry. Uh, you were saying. This... <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Oh, there's a parody in the works there, Nick. I like it. Parody or parable? By Judas. I can't. <laughs> uh, but there were several negative reviews. I, I know, right? Ne- negative reviews? The, the hell, you say? There were several negative reviews of this. A lot of positive, too, I will say this. But the, the few negative ones I read mentioned very similar things to what Nick brought up, which is you're going to set this in New Orleans and you're going to have, like, you could have this great moment of Jesus being played by an African-American actor and singer who is taken away by white cops. And this is in 2016, mind you. So, you know, like, this is not to say that stuff wasn't happening back then, but it's certainly not as much in the public perception as it is today. Well, and But it still would have been a powerful image. And instead, they got, you know, this guy, who is still, he's a good singer, He's a pop star, but he's, you know, as Nick pointed out, they could have made a much better sort of statement with this. Uh, So you have uh, Giancarlos Canel as Jesus Christ. In the scene, you also have Prince Royal as Peter, sorry, Prince Royce as Peter, who is a Dominican-American singer-songwriter. You will see eventually uh, American Idol contestant Chris Daughtry as Judas Iscariot. Um, Are we paused on him right now? Yes, yes, we are. Uh, and while we won't actually be discussing her during the show, you also, in this, you have Trisha Yearwood as Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, who's a famous country rock singer known for songs like, How do I live without you? Oh, I love that one. Does she sing that after he, uh, he's like, No, actually, she, believe it or not, she does not sing any of her songs. She sings like, um, That would have been perfect. Uh, How do I, I know, live without you? And then he comes back the next day. She sings like Whitney Houston, uh, like a Whitney Houston song. Or, and a, you know, uh, and a, she like some power ballad type stuff. 
But uh, I didn't include her in any of the stuff we're going to talk about today because unlike most of the cast, she was one of the few people to perform live. And because of how the books are written, she never is actually like in the midst of the story. She's just always kind of off to the side. So like she just shows up and sings a song and then we cut back to the action of the pre-recorded segments. So she doesn't actually interact until the very end and even then very lightly. And plus all of her songs removed of any sort of context are just Trisha Yearwood singing the hits. And I see no problem with that. But speaking of singing the hits, what about uh, the shits? We're talking about a Creed yes. song here. Why yes. Why was With Arms Wide Open what they felt? Sorry, With Arms Wide Open. Nick, have you ever seen Jesus on the cross? He does What's look his like, arms doing? He does look like, uh, what's his name from Creed? You're right. Scott Stapp. Scott, yeah, that's right. I knew Scott something. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Stapp written this song, as everyone's pointed out, uh, with arms wide open by Creed from their album Human Clay, uh, which I think all teenagers in the 90s and early aughts owned at some point. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was just given to you. You, like, showed up at, it showed up at your house, and you're like, here, you're 13. You're 13. Listen to this. Um, uh, Scott Stapp, uh, written, uh, written by Scott Stapp in 15 minutes. Immediately following his learning that his then wife was pregnant with their first child, so this song was written in 15 minutes, which is why it was a huge hit. We've, if there's one mission statement that this show has discovered, it's that if you do the least amount of work possible, you will make a shit ton of money. Yep. It's, but that's the thing. It's not about. You can't overthink shit. If you are in the moment and you're passionate about something, ah, that's one you, for my three. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you really, you really go after it. And your mind is working so much more when you are like so engaged with feeling that it just comes out. And the more natural it is, the more real it is, the more people it resonates with people, and it it doesn't feel falsified or put through a bunch of fucking filters. It's gonna, you know, people like apparently no, they. No, I do. want filters. <laughs> I want nothing but filters. If I were to take up smoking. I would want it to be 90% filter. Oh, yeah. Don't look at Steve's Instagram account. Nothing but, like, <laughs> filters. Uh, but let's listen to a little bit. Let's listen to, let's listen to a little <laughs> okay. bit more. Of, sorry, Nick. I gave you several minutes to try to finish that thought. It's okay. He'll just cut what out my audio really here and keep What do you really look like, Steve? In. I don't even know anymore. You have a Zoom filter on here? Something tells me he doesn't have cat ears all the time. When he opens his mouth, a tongue comes out. I just proved them wrong. Uh, so let's hear a little bit more of this new context. You got a solid tongue there, Steve. Welcome to this place. Thanks. I'll show you everything with arms wide open. Yeah, with arms wide open. All right. I've got some problems with this. Why, why, well, make them why quick because we got eight more songs. Why do these people who do covers think that they gotta they they change the whole cadence of the song that made it what it was? You know, why does he? Oh, throw you're a, gonna get you're gonna get real mad at our next song. Oh yeah, Mike, w- wait until they get to their cover of Nelly's Hot in Here for a later part <laughs> of the Passion. They just they just make it a ballad. It totally removes the core meaning of the song. Oh uh, yeah, hot that, in here. they use that after they use that after Judas hangs himself. It's when he goes to hell. <laughs> and it's sung by the devil and the devil is nelly <laughs> many a christian parent said that 20 years ago <laughs> little nos x little nos is playing judas oh hell yeah <laughs> um but yes so the new context God, so i wanted to buy those shoes the original song 
uh, was uh, written about uh, Scott Stapp. He's the, he's a new dad. He's he's full of bursting with joy. He wants to show the world to his newborn. He wants to give them the world. He wants to teach them everything. And in this new context, Jesus is singing it to a bunch of grown men who he has just been hanging out with in the desert for like three years straight. I don't know if it. I don't know if it translates. I don't know if it tracks. Oh no, Steve. 100%. So I guess it does. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess it does in a way. He's he's leaving them and he's telling them what he's going to leave them with. He's like, guys, pretty soon, I'm going away. I won't be coming back. But don't worry, because it'll be your job to uh, get killed in my name. So just don't worry. That's you're gonna. I'm gonna go away, and you guys are gonna have a rough like ten to twenty years. But don't worry, because at the end you'll be murdered. <laughs> they're like, oh, thanks, thanks. Thanks, Lord. You know what though? Those guys, thanks to them, we got the printing press down the way, right? Isn't that isn't that how it all? Because they had to write the Bible so many times. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. I you have you have sure somehow managed to you, I'm pretty sure I saw you that. You have at somehow managed. You have somehow managed to take a group of facts and <laughs> rework the timeline completely. The Bible happened to be the first book written on a printing press. The disciples didn't have anything to do with it. They were the foundation leading to the printing press. Imagine if that never happened, you know? Then they would have printed another book first. I don't know what you want. Uh, people didn't care about it that much. That's what I'm saying. You know? Yeah, the second, the second book was a locked room to murder mystery. Um, but that's The Last Supper. Uh, we'll move on. Um, I'm actually going to skip the next number, because the next number we did, it's the Chris Daughtry as Judas singing Evanescent songs to himself because he's trying to psych himself up to betray his Lord and Savior. (laughs) Yeah, listen to the end of our uh, Evanescence episode. So now we're going to skip ahead to what is arguably the crux of the passion, where the word... Yes, where well, I was about to say where the word, the passion, comes into play, which is the agony at the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, which oh, is same difference. Yeah, no, it's not as sexy as Nick made it out to be. It's quite literally just one man crying in a garden by himself, asking not to die. That was all of us in high school. Let's be real. <laughs> it it is the most powerful, in my opinion, the most powerful as uh, sort of like aspect of the whole Passion Week. Um, it's also my favorite number in Jesus Christ Superstar. So Jesus here is going to be asking Peter to stay awake and watch out for him while he goes into the garden. A very simple task that Peter fails spectacularly at. (laughs) Oh, come on, Pete! Stay here and keep watch with me. Oh, man, Jesus, I'm kind of tired. I need a sign to let me know you're here. All of these lines are being crossed over the atmosphere. I need to know that things are gonna look up. Cause I feel I'm drowning in a sea spilled from a cup. And there is no place safe and no safe place to put my head. And I can feel the world shake from the words that I said. And I, calling all angels. 
It's a little on the nose. That's right. The higher power was train. The higher power was train, everyone. Uh, so this is what I was talking about when Mike said, God, I hate it when they cover songs and change like the rhythm and tempo and lyrics. They changed all of that for this song. I barely yeah, even I, recognize it. But isn't unrecognizable that unrecognizable? But I was like, I know this, but why is he? Why? He's like, I mean, they really change it. I mean, well, it's we've never really on the podcast had discussion. I, I think one of the only covers we ever did was Mr. Tambourine Man by William Shatner. We never really had a discussion on is the purpose of a cover to actually change it and make it original in its own thing? Or do you have to have some adherence to the core structure? I don't know. I thought, I thought you added your own little thing. Like, look. Hey, uh, Billy Joel, uh, not Billy Joel, Bon Jovi's uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is my favorite version of that song. And it's, you know, it's his own special way of doing it. But I think you mean Bon John Von Con Lon Jovi, <laughs> don't you? Oh my God, it's not Bon Jovi either. Uh, <laughs> I, I get my BJs all screwed up. Hold on. <laughs> yes, you did. The, the, it's, it's not you, the, you get too, the problem, Mike, is you get too many of them. <laughs> I, got too, I got too many BJs here, I uh, but as Nick points out, this is this is a little on the nose, uh, but it also is one of the few songs that actually could that most of these song most of these songs are shoehorned in, like the context is all over the place. But this is kind of like okay, I can kind of buy this, I can buy this being the song that he sings because he is, you know, in a way calling for help from on high. Uh, you know what? You know what's great about you know what's great about the God and Jesus relationship. You know, they're the same person. Yeah, I mean that's that's what whatever. Uh, but <laughs> is that um, he? Uh, yeah, whatever. He, whatever. Two thousand years of Christian religious <laughs> dogma. He lets he lets his son make uh, a, a tough choice, and you know, makes his bed and makes him lie in it before he, you know. Uh, no, incorrect. Life. He makes the bed for Jesus and tells him to lie in it. I was going to say, I thought, the, I thought the whole point was that there was no choice, that Judas had to betray Jesus because Jesus had to be sacrificed. Thus, Judas is the most tragic and interesting character of the whole passion story. But that's just me. So then why were you so upset we, call, why were we, so, yeah. why were you so upset we called you Judas at the beginning of the show then, Nick? I wasn't upset. I, if that's what it takes for me to have an excuse to make as many dumb j- jokes around passion as I want, absolutely I will jump on that. Uh, but I'm glad I'm glad Nick mentioned uh, Judas betraying Jesus because now we're going to... Uh, tr- uh, this train's going to roll right into the old 30 silver dollar station. Jesus is contemplating what is to come as Judas approaches him. This is the man who has betrayed me. I will never leave you, even though all the rest do. I tell you that before the rooster crows twice tonight, you will say three times you do not know me. Peace be with you, teacher. Be quick about it, my friend. It is with a kiss that you betray the Son of Man. When the days are cold in the car, folding saints we see are all made of gold. When your dreams are failing, the ones we hail are the worst 
worst of all and the blood's run stained. Wow! That's a bold choice. I'm going to pause it there because it's about to get it's about to get some rock and roll up in this house of God. Um, no, that is the song, uh, that's the beginning, the song Demons being sung by Judas to Jesus, uh, originally by the world's greatest rock band, Imagine Dragons. Uh, <laughs> their second commercial success following Radioactive and the eighth most downloaded song in rock history. What? Eighth most in rock history. Demons is the eighth most. No, no. <laughs> I refuse to live in a world where Demons by Imagine Dragons is the eighth most downloaded quote unquote rock well, song in history. Why is it? I mean, that's the ultimate betrayal, not what we're seeing happen right now. Uh, but wait, it gets better because you know what would be better to, than if Judas sings uh, Imagine Dragons Demons to Jesus? If it turns into a duet. I want to hide the truth. I want to shelter you. But with the beast inside, there's nowhere we can hide. No matter what we bleed, oh we still are made of greed. This is my kingdom come. This all right, is my all right, kingdom Steve. come. <laughs> is it just me? Uh, no. Whoever made this, I mean, all I want to say is just make out already. Yeah, you, there's a lot of sexual tension here between Judas and Jesus. Is anyone else seeing that? It's. It, I was going to say it actually starts to turn a little bit into the confrontation from Les Miserables at the end. So oh. They start circling around each other. <laughs> I am warning you, Judas. <laughs> I'm the strongest god by far. So, uh, it's weird. I almost feel like I could appreciate the whole context of what this 2016 New Orleans Passion production did. Like, I think it's like an interesting creative challenge to try to get popular music that matches the story. And like, I can appreciate like the challenge of that. Like, it'd almost be fun to just as a thought exercise figure out, okay, this is the story we need to tell. What are the pop songs, popular songs that would best tell that? However, just all. And then I don't they know failed. the target. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know the target demographic is beyond because I mean even just amongst Christians, there's obviously such a cross section of age and race and political groups. Like it's very difficult to find like songs that appeal universally. But for me, admittedly a godless heathen, just all dramatic tension is lost the moment you realize they're singing a fucking Imagine Dragon song together to each other. And yeah. by the way, if you watch the performance, listeners, if you uh, look for the video, you can tell Judas is the bad guy because he's wearing a leather jacket. And he's bald. All bald men are evil. Lex Luthor. Um, Thanos. <laughs> Need I say more? Thanos. Other bald people, but who are real and not comic book characters. <laughs> yeah, what does it say, Steve? Those are the only two bald people you can think of. Uh, I'm not going to play as much longer, but I do want to hear the drop. Get too close, Jesus. I got demons in my eyes. Ooh. And those demons are telling me to kiss you. He already did that. Yes. That that's the other the interesting thing you brought up, Nick, where the when you think about the the fun mental exercise of what's, you know, like uh, what are the pl major emotional plot points of the passion play and what pieces of music can I use to sort of ex explore those? Except they don't they modernize it. They they uh, contemporize it with like modern songs, but they don't change any of the speech patterns. 
It's like, surely I say unto you, this night, Peter, you shall betray me three times. When you feel my feet, look into my eyes. You know, I I would like, have they done this yet? Is there um is there a version of the passion for like all those timeline theory lovers where like there's the one instance of which because Jesus reveals everything to these guys ahead of time. You know, he tells them one of you is going to betray me. And Judas is like, oh, he knows he know, and he knows it's me. And he tells this other guy he's going to deny him three times, which is a little less. Okay, that doesn't matter so much, but let's stick with the Judas one. Still what sucks. If, what if Judas was, Judas was like, you know what? I don't want to be so predictable. You know, I don't want to be that kind of kind of guy. People just know what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. Like, would Jesus have been pissed because now things didn't go according to plan? Now he's like, what if Judas like kidnapped Jesus ah, and took that, him to a different country? Damn that free will. Damn that free will. Why'd you do that, Dad? Why? Uh, every time, every gonna, time God comes up movie. with a great plan, people go, you're making that movie where like everything goes. It. It's back to it's the, be called free will. It's back to the future part two, but it's the passion of the Christ. We got to get the book back from Judas. <laughs> Mike, you're, you're going to call. <laughs> nice. Mike, you're going to call it free will. Would the poster just be someone with their fist in the air while Jesus, like a whale is jumping over them? <laughs> Ah <laughs> oh, yes, he'll be like flipping his hair back with all the water. You know, It'll be beautiful. His arms will be out, but he's his not arms nails. wide open. Uh, I was about to make a Star Trek reference, but three people will get it, so I won't. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so Judas betrays Jesus. Uh, Jesus is swatted, gets taken away. Um, Peter. <laughs> Peter uh, tries to stab one of the one of the guards, one of the SWAT guys, with his knife. And Jesus tells him to stop, not to shed any blood. So, being further chastened, Peter doesn't like Peter's role in the Passion is to be like a cosmic butt monkey. Like everything Peter says and does makes him look terrible. Like I'll never betray you, Jesus. Proceeds to immediately betray Jesus. I'll never <laughs> deny you, Jesus. Proceeds to immediately deny Jesus. Stay awake for me, Peter. I will, Jesus. Falls asleep three seconds later. Like he does not come out of this looking great, but he's the one who's supposed to be in charge of the church on earth. Okay, whatever, guys. But uh, he then actually, if he to... was, that explains a lot. It does explain a lot. That's right. But he goes on <laughs> to fulfill Jesus's what turns out to be Jesus's last prophecy. I thought that was Jesus for a second. They had the same hairstyle. They all got the pretty boy haircut. Like, uh, Except for Judas. He's bald because he's evil, remember? <laughs> exactly. That's the only reason they had it that way. So, you know, when I think <laughs> when I think the passion, when I when I think when I think the crucifixion, Hoobastank is definitely what pops into my head. Just springs to mind, right? Uh yes, this is the reason by the band Hoobastank being sung by Prince Royce, who's playing Peter. 
Uh, eventually, St. Peter, which, you know, oh, geez, is that the is, is that the bar? I should be a saint. Um, <laughs> Literally, you could fuck up everything and you still get to be a saint, Steve. Yeah. Uh, it is a rock. It is a pop rock ballad about wronging a loved one and trying to atone, which, again, fits like they found a pretty good song that fits. Um, the problem is it's a Hoobastank song. And I will not let them go by. I, I'm not giving them a pass on that one. Just because the song is actually fits the context you're trying to do, it's a Hoobastank song. You lose points. I just don't see, and maybe you can prove me wrong as we start to get into the final leg of this, but I don't see how any song won't seem wildly anachronistic and out of place. It's just, just, just hearing the generic, like, you know, grunge slash pop rock that was popular on radio in the early 2000s being applied to the story of Christ's crucifixion just seems wildly jarring to me. But once again, I'm a, I'm not the target demographic. Out of, yeah, out of place, you say, Nick? An out-of-place song? A song that has no purpose, no reason to be here? I found a reason to use this song! And that okay, reason they is bad. Uh, we will, I'll show you out of place. So we're going to skip ahead to the trial of Jesus, which they helpfully compress here. So it's not like, you know, uh, go to Pilate. And then he goes to Herod. And then he goes back to Pilate. And he goes to Sanhedrin. And then he goes to Pilate. Like, that's uh, that's the justice system we're used to these days, but not necessarily the one they were used to back then. But it, uh, we now come to the part where uh, Pilate is giving the the people of Judea, of Jerusalem, a chance to either free Jesus or free the uh, mur accused murderer, Barabbas. And they make, of course, the only logical choice. <laughs> out of the ruins Out from the wreckage Can't make the same mistake this time The children, the last generation. Let me, let me pause that for a second. Let you, let, I'll, you'll get to it in just a second. I just wanted to pause it as a good little pause point and mention did I mention Pontius Pilate is seal? Yeah, I'm like, that's fucking seal. Okay, they, so they get two points so far that might disappear as soon as we get to the chorus. But point number one, the guy playing Jesus is making himself cry on command. That's pretty, pretty good acting. Uh, point number two, yeah. they got seal. Can't argue with that. Uh, but yes, we'll find out here just now. So you guys, you guys honestly don't recognize this song? I actually don't think I do. I know okay. this song. I we need don't need another hero. hero. That sounds very familiar. Okay, so this song that Pontius Pilate is singing uh, to the the uh, the folks of Jerusalem after they have made the decision to condemn Jesus but spare Barabbas uh, is the song "We Don't Need Another Hero" by Tina Turner. The theme song to the film Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <gasps> oh shit, that's where I re yes. Wow. Wait, can we hear what that one sounds like? <laughs> I just 
just to give me a frame of reference? Sure, Mike. Let's just upend the whole and episode. And a frame of reference the, for all the listeners the out ten, there who might be... Wa- at the 10-yard the mark. Okay. Yeah, in case you missed it, uh, in case you missed it, Jesus is master and Peter is blaster. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, uh, and as you may or may not have noticed, they replay the th- the term Thunderdome is part of the lyrics of the song "We Don't Need Another Hero." At the end, it says "Beyond Thunderdome." Naturally, Punch's pilot has no idea what the Thunderdome is. So, in turn, he sings Beyond What We Know is the new lyric that they changed for this. No, I really like the idea of a Thunderdome Judeo-Christian mass mesh together where I guess that would make Mad Max the Christ-like figure. And Tina Turner still Pontius Pilate. When I think of Jesus, I just think of him scouring the Australian outback in his motorcycle, trying to trying to Trying to avoid all of the gas warlords. Although, actually, no, because Mad Max is played by Mel Gibson, and I don't see uh, Jesus himself being anti-Semitic, so maybe it's not an exact one-for-one. Mel Gibson made Passion of the Christ. Yeah? Yeah. There's a difference between being a big fan club member and being Jesus. And he loves Jesus, and Jesus was a Jew. So, I mean, what are you talking about? That is a, I meant, I joked about it at the top of the episode, that is a fact that many Christians decide to skip over. So in this case, Jesus is the extra hero that they don't need. Exactly. They had two heroes, Barabbas, a convicted murderer, and Jesus, a guy who did the opposite and brought someone back to life. He was a reverse murderer. A reverse? That's what they used to call doctors back in the day. (laughs) Reverse murderers. Yes. We need the guy who can either... We need one hero, guys. It's either the guy who can just kill indiscriminately or the guy who can uh, defy and rewrite the laws of physics as we know them to bring a soul back to a living body. And we chose right, guys. The guy with the knife is the, is the only hero we need. Do, what, do you, what choice do you think would be made today? Or do you think it'd, I better be close? <laughs> like all things, it would be like 52 to 48. It, and how messed up is that? Isn't that kind of funny? Like. It is very messed up, Mike. Thank you for joining the rest of us on planet Earth. <laughs> you know what? One of these days, I think one day, there's going to be somebody who rises up and it gets a nice, solid 75% approval rating by all humanity. That's what you need. I believe that would be the Antichrist if uh, Christian eschatology is to be believed. Is it the Antichrist? I'm pretty sure if I remember my uh, pre uh, pre millennial uh, eschatology, it would uh, if someone's getting seventy five percent or above from every human on the planet, they're probably the antichrist. Sounds like a good guy. Unless we're talking, or... uh, unless unless we're talking the tomato meter, unless we're talking yes. Metacritic and tomato meter here, in which case yes. it's a crapshoot. <laughs> the antichrist is certified fresh because that's user edited. <laughs> <laughs> that's user edited, guys. We have been joking around a bit uh, with things that will send us to hell, uh, but primarily we've been joking around about whether or not any of these songs kind of fit, whether they've been shoehorned or whether they can kind of be used to describe the events that they're being used to describe. And it's been hit or miss. Everything's been a little... Not everything can be a Hoobastank song, guys. (laughs) 
It's the greatest tragedy um, on this planet. But this this last one, uh, Punch the Pilot gets two songs in a row because he's Seal and he should. <laughs> and for this last one, I swear, I swear to the person we're about to crucify on screen that they picked this song just for the title. I find no reason to condemn this man. Yet, a good governor befriends his people. I shall do as you say. Take him away. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I think the song Mad World is immune from criticism no matter what context it's in. I I don't even care that it's another pop song they're shoehorning into the passion. Still slaps in a very melancholy, somber way. Mad World, a song originally by Tears for Fears. Uh this what we're listening to is the slightly more popular version, a cover of that song by Michael Andrews and Gary Jules for the film Donnie Darko which is another thing uh, similar to that uh, a Human Clay album I mentioned earlier that just gets handed to you and become 13. <laughs> Here's your copy of Donnie Darko. Go watch this and become obsessively weird about it for three or four years. <laughs> I, I Just quite literally, the only reason for Pilot to be singing this is so that he can use the song title. The song has nothing. The song is about just being bored with life and going through the motions and watching everyone else lace, waste their lives. It has nothing to do with like a like everyone it's not, it has nothing to do with a crowd of people deciding to kill a peaceful man and let a murderer go free it's just it's just the title they just want to sing mad world that's all they want to do yeah i, I feel you steve i feel like they could have mixed it up a well how many po- steve in their defense how many pop songs are there specifically about murdering an innocent man and justice not being served you know maybe a few there's the billy joel song innocent man it's right there. I was an innocent man. I could see him singing that. Look, it's a deep cut, guys. All right, it's a deep cut Billy Joel. All right, come on. Give me some slack here. <laughs> okay, 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 Steve. <laughs> you bunch you bunch of heathens. I just kind of want them to do one just Jesus Christ Superstar song. Just throw it in there. It's already perfect. It perfectly matches the context. It's that that's what it's about. And And from a biblical standpoint, this is one of those things that... Sh- traditionally people play around with this notion of did Pilate care that he was having to do this like most uh, like most people have in their mind this idea of Pilate as like a disaffected i'm just here doing my job kind of guy i'm the governor of judea this place this place is crazy everyone's mad at me everyone's mad at each other all the time everyone's punching each other all the time like i i can't i can't take this place what do you want me to do? You want me to kill him? Why? Why do you want me to kill him? Does it matter? No, I guess it doesn't. Go ahead and kill him. I'll wash my hands of the whole thing. But there is an interpretation that some people like to do. Traditionally, the passion narrative doesn't have a lot of 
drama, I guess, narrative stakes, like everyone's kind of playing their roles. So in modern time, people have been sort of attributing certain things to the passion narrative that maybe weren't there. One of them being, as we mentioned earlier, is Judas doing this on purpose because he knows it's his role and he's fulfilling it? Or does he have no control over events and is he getting screwed over by God? How, what is, does that make him a tragic hero of sorts? And the other one is Pilate. There's, uh, they add this element to Pilate of Pilate doesn't see, ha, he's not like a believer, he doesn't believe in Jesus, but he doesn't see a reason to kill this guy and doesn't want to bow to mob mentality, but he eventually I does to keep the peace. Pontius Pilate really thought he was clever. He thought he was like, yo, no way these people are going to release this dude. So I'm going to get the best of both worlds. I'm going to fulfill everything. And then I'm going to get this murderer thrown up on the cross and it's going to be great. And then who was the at? Was it somebody in the crowd started chanting for uh, for Baracus to be set free? Yeah. Baracus? No, B.A. Baracus is a character from the 18th. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about Barabbas. Barabbas, Barabbas. Yeah, Barabbas yeah. does pity fools. <laughs> um, and it, though I do want to see Mr. T play Barabbas in, a, uh, in, an, in an Easter film now. And then the Mortal Kombat tie-in where they let Baraka go. Exactly. See, Nick knows what we're talking about. He had the, he had the sword hands. Yes, they let another JC die, Johnny Cage. <laughs> Johnny Cage, the Jesus of Mortal Kombat. Those shades, baby. We digress wildly, though. <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on, no, guys. Let's talk about this for 10, 15 more minutes. Liu Kang is obviously the Jesus Christ of world combat, you guys. His dad is Raiden. And Goro is Mary Magdalene. <laughs> this is obvious, you guys. Uh, but I just... It, it It's one of those things where they... Traditionally, there's there's no dramatic weight to this story, aside from certain elements of, you know, like Jesus, like the agony of the garden, that sort of thing. But is this just sort of like a modern, sort of like shunting these modern sensibilities onto these ancient characters and then making them sing a Donnie Darko song? <laughs> I think just to literally engage people, regardless of your religious affiliation, you have to have a story with drama. And I think they're doing it tastefully. Like any area where there's character ambiguity, I don't think... You know, I, I I know a lot of people find blasphemy in a lot of things, but I don't think there's anything bad about trying to extract some character depth and maybe some some ambiguity out of the areas where there is ambiguity. Like, I think Pontius Pilate is a more interesting character in this story if he if you can kind of see his hands being tied and him having you know mixed feelings and regret about it. You, you know, nowadays, people love trying to figure out if the villains really were nicer than they were and figuring out if the heroes were more pieces of shit than they were represented to be. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that's the storytelling motif of, like, the past 15 that's, years. Yeah. Well, what's nice about it's this story is... It's a villain's paradise right now. That's what the... Ooh, people are like, ooh, I'm bad, and I got reasons to be it, so deal with it. That's it. <laughs> Well, what's nice about this story is that the real, uh, the, the like the the one constant in all retellings of this biblical narrative is 
the how how much of a piece of shit Peter was. <laughs> like that's nobody's trying to revitalize Peter's image. They're like Pontius Pilate, maybe he wasn't so bad. Judas, maybe he knew what he was doing. Jesus, we're not going to touch that with a ten foot pole. Jesus is always Jesus. We change nothing about that. Martin Scorsese should have known better. <laughs> yeah, Steve, I want you to make a musical called Piece of Shit Peter, and it's just it revolves the the entire. <laughs> story of Peter and how he just fucks everything up for Jesus. You know, we're going to we're going to post this episode and the next time I go to Rome, I'm going to try to like walk into St. Peter's Basilica and there'll be a force field erected somehow. It's just like, <laughs> why can't I go in? Oh, right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, right. I shit talked the bouncer to heaven on t- on the podcast. And now I'm never getting into a church. <laughs> oh, yeah. You better watch out, Steve. You see him at the gates, man. <laughs> Mr. T, also formerly a bouncer. I brought it back. <laughs> nice that's it for the music i'm we're gonna yeah we're 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 this is all i brought this isn't the last song the last song was of course jesus standing on a building after his resurrection holy triumphant and singing a Katy perry song oh god does he sing firework no he does not <laughs> sing firework does he sing i kissed a girl he did not sing i kissed a girl <laughs> did he sing california girls he did not. He sung none of the, he sung none of the ones you'd think he sings. <laughs> yes, because I imagine. Please tell me he sang California Girls and Snoop Dogg also did guest vocals when he shows up. And Snoop Dogg is God. I would watch that passion play. Ah, uh, yo, no, he sang the song unconditionally. Ah, uh, which makes sense. He's singing about unconditional love. So that I didn't feel the need to add that one because, like, yeah, it's pretty on point. But again, it's a Katy Perry song, so it's a little weird. <laughs> uh, but happy Easter, everyone! This was us uh, dress rehearsal for hell. <laughs> I don't know. That's the song tops your report. <laughs> Mike, you've been sitting here this whole time with your shirt completely unbuttoned and no pants on. I'm pretty sure that violates some sort of biblical edict. No, he Are looks you kidding me. Jesus never had a shirt on or pants. He just wore loose, flowy robes. Actually, Mike is the most Christ-like person on this Zoom call right now. He he is not ripped like Jesus. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm you look great. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Jesus, it. you know, Jesus may have brought the dead back, and he may have been the Son of God, but Jesus could not run 12 miles the way Mike can. Mike, if you want to get ripped like Jesus, you have to just eat nothing but fish and bread and wine, and that's it. That's you got that, one I mean, of them tonight. Oh, and, and olives. You can you can have olives. some olives and <laughs> olives and dates. Straight Mediterranean. Aside from diet. olives and dates, it's fish and bread. Uh, but Steve, thank you so much for bringing this. This, I think, our first actually like thematically appropriate uh, Easter episode. I didn't think it would exist, and then it did. And yet here it was under our noses this whole time. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. You can follow us on social media, and you should, as well as me on my personal uh, Instagram and Twitter at Nick Brigadier and uh, Mr. Mike Russell. Where can we find you? Yes, you can find me on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. And, uh, yeah, like Nick said, follow us on the old social meds and send us your song suggestions of bad, bizarre, noteworthy music or whatever you want to hear us dissect. Um, speaking of our social media, uh, our last poll had some answers uh, from listener Tara. We have fuckloads of gin, hummus, and crackers. Not a uh, not a bad choice for the late night room service. From uh, listener Rachel, she says the uh, chicken tendies. Nice. Which uh, 
I personally am about a late night pizza. And raw. by the way, if you if you ever find like a twelve year old that doesn't like chicken tenders, that's the Antichrist. <laughs> you found oh them. Oh my god. Um, uh, let's see. Felix orders cannabis. Nice. Prince of Soul Glow is getting pasta. And Rob is, nope, I'm a broke motherfucker. So he uh, is getting no room service. Relatable across the board. And actually, if you had that room service in New York State now, you could legally get that cannabis. At least three ounces. <laughs> ah, that's right. Uh, for uh, And for this week, folks, why don't you, uh, in celebration of this glorious holiday and all the fun stuff that happens... That you know when you're not Jesus. Um, well, actually, technically, he comes back today, so I guess it's not bad. So, uh, but um, happy second birthday, Jesus! Happy second birthday. Um, why don't you tell us what you got in your Easter basket? Did you get a chocolate bunny? Uh, some peepers. Okay. Are you an adult? Yeah, I was gonna say the last time I got an Easter basket, I was eight. Now, granted, that was also when I stopped going to church. But uh, is it traditional for Easter baskets? Yeah, that's what happens, Nick. You, you, you. I was gonna say, isn't there a cutoff point for Easter baskets, or are they like gift baskets for any event? Everyone gets an Easter basket. Dude, you should buy yourself an Easter basket if anything. You know what? That's fair. I'm going to go to like a CVS the day after Easter when they're super discounted and just get myself whatever's in an Easter basket. There you go. Jesus waited yeah. three days. I'll wait four days and get those sweet bargains. All right. So, yes, listeners, what is in your proverbial or literal uh, Easter basket? Uh, and Steve, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at the confessional for <laughs> the next several hours, probably. Uh, and then after that, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Your Man Trollo, uh, on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com, and on our Dapper Devil Predictions website, where the devil is within us all. And actually, um, very soon, I think at the time of this recording, it'll be like a week from now, uh, you'll be seeing, seeing Steve potentially in a new Dapper Devil Productions web series that has been in development hell for like over a year, which is mostly my fault, but not entirely. Uh, but yes, Ian Brodsky, who is on the Glee Aggressive podcast under Dapper Devil Productions and was a guest on our show, uh, has a new web series coming out that we filmed before the pandemic hit. Uh, and Steve is in it and so you can check it out there yeah do that yeah go look at get Steve. my get my q rating up yes wait not that q rating oh <laughs> that one's already sky high uh and with that thank you so much for joining us this week we'll see you next week and until then i am nick brigadier i'm mike russell and i'm really really sorry god <laughs> and we will see you next week take care but God sees us every week, Steve. Ah, crap.